Welcome to the Let's Get Sensory podcast. My name is Kelsey and I'm an occupational therapist, sensory specialist, and ADHD. -er. If you're looking to up-level you and your kids' lives by learning how to live a sensory lifestyle to help with attention, anxiety, hyperactivity, and impulsivity, then you've come to the right place. So here we go. Let's get sensory. Hello, sensory family. Welcome back to the Let's Get Sensory podcast. And today it's day four of the sensory challenge. So I did some Q&As on my Instagram this week and had a lot of different questions coming in, which I think I'm going to have to do a part two to cover more of the questions. But out of all the questions, there is definitely one that was asked over and over and over, the most frequently asked question, which is also one of my favorite topics to talk about. And I feel like I say this a lot um, with like all the topics because I honestly get so excited and passionate just talking about sensory um, that just makes honestly makes me feel so giddy. And like I'm the OT at IEP meetings that sometimes even kind of takes over the meeting and turns it into a sensory meeting with parents just talking about all the sensory things and explaining over everything, which has also been so cool to see just from so many teachers from sitting in during our IEP meetings and just learning about sensory processing and us talking and chatting. Um, it's been cool to see just how many of the teachers have really become sensory teachers. And honestly, majority of my referrals coming in now are like sensory related and not handwriting related anymore, which I'm very, very happy about. So it just goes to show that sensory advocacy works. So please tell your friends, tell your kids, teachers, tell your family, just tell everyone. And I know if you're here, you likely have a personal connection like I do, which definitely just really lets us understand um, very deeply and see sensory needs very strongly. But I have friends even just who follow me on Instagram with no connection really to the sensory world, which um, really just tells me even how my posts and just learning about it and hearing about sensory for the first time has helped them personally as adults in that they never put too much thought into, you know, regulating before and like noticed if they were overstimulated or understimulated. And now it's even just really opened their eyes to a whole new way of living and kind of paying attention to their own sensory and regulation needs and just seeing things so differently. So I'm um, sorry I got off topic, but um, if you know me, you know I can't help myself when it comes to advocating to get the word out about sensory therapy and living a sensory lifestyle. Um, but okay, let's get back to this Q&A. So we will get started with the number one most asked question, which was about sensory seeking, hyperactivity, difficulty sitting still, vestibular proprioception seeking. And I really wish I could give you just an easy do this, do that answer. But this one is not that simple. This is something I go over a lot inside of Sensory Life Academy. And I honestly believe like how I explain it and how we talk about it in the therapy that we do inside the course, um, it applies for everyone, not necessarily just kids that are the very hyper kids. But um, so right now, I'm just going to give you three tips, like three of my top tips. And so the first one is a lot of you, or maybe you've heard of like the sensory cup re reference and how hyper kids or sensory seekers have a very big sensory cup and how you kind of just need to keep pouring and pouring into their sensory cup, aka giving them lots of movement and exercise to really help fill up their cup to help them regulate. And yes, that is one way of doing it or looking at it. 
But for those of you that have taken my Simplify Sensory course or have watched the pre-course video inside of Sensory Life Academy, which doors close tomorrow. So if you haven't signed up, please sign up. Um, there'll be a link in the show notes. And so you already know why this pers- perspective, the whole large sensory cup perspective and that you should like need to give them lots and lots and lots of input until you finally fill up their sensory cup. This perspective is not the full picture. So for example, um, how many times have you tried with your kids when they're hyper, just doing all the exercises and all the movement with your child to help fill their sensory seeking cup and to help them, you know, give them that exercise and the movement to try to help them regulate. And maybe you're doing these and you're doing all these exercise movements and you're not noticing a huge difference in the regulation. Or maybe you're doing all the exercises and movements with your child to help them regulate and you only either like notice a little different um, a little different, or maybe you see them get more hyper and more overstimulated during those activities. And, you know, you're like letting them run and jump and you're just seeing them get even more overstimulated than they were before. So this leads me to my tip number one, which would be to watch how your child responds to certain exercises and certain movements. There are some movements that are generally more overstimulating and exciting to our bodies and our nervous systems like spinning or things that make you dizzy. And then there are other movements that are more calming. So like more repetitive motion. So like rocking back and forth is often very calming or how we like tap our foot or rock our legs back and forth or even just swinging back and forth in a straight line on a swing, those tend to be more calming movements to our nervous system. But it's also really important to remember that everyone has unique sensory systems, and more specifically, like their movement sensory systems, so like the vestibular and proprioception senses. So my easier to understand phrases that I prefer to use when it comes to talking about vestibular. So vestibular is our balance sense and proprioception is our body awareness sense. Also, it's easier for me to say when I'm talking about it than saying vestibular and proprioception over and over again. Um, So we all have unique movement senses, our balance and body awareness senses. So my tip is to really look at how your child responds to different movement activities. So like after maybe you have a trampoline and you let them jump on the trampoline and try to get their energy out and fill up their sensory seeking cup, look closely to see if they are more calm after jumping on a trampoline or if they get more hyper after jumping on a trampoline. Or for example, um, you know, just any really movement-based activity, look closely to see how their nervous system responds, whether they're more calm and regulated after a specific activity or if they're more hyper and overstimulated. And so after you look to find out what activities are calming and what activities are more overstimulating, we want to encourage those common, calming movement-based activities. And then the activities that tend to be more overstimulating, save those activities for maybe earlier in the morning or times that their engine, you know, tends to be running a little bit slower. And then try to hold off on those overstimulating activities, you know, during the times that they really need to focus maybe like right before homework or before closer to bedtime, try to hold off on those like more overstimulating movement activities. And so for just an example, my dad is ADHD and he used to work out very late at night 
And then he's always had, you know, trouble sleeping. And he's definitely more a sensory seeker. He's very hyper, kind of always on the go and always on the move. So he recently switched to working out in the mornings or midday. Um, And so whether that's just like going on a walk, he's lucky where in his office, there's a little gym in his office where he works too. And so he's noticed that it helps him feel a lot more focused, um, less stress during the day. Um, He said he's noticed a difference in just his energy levels and he's been sleeping a lot better at night. So just trying to kind of play that detective and just really figuring out, um, looking closely to kind of try to figure out which movement activities are more calming for your child and which movement activities are more overstimulating for your child. And then kind of playing around with those activities during their daily routine. And so next up, my second tip is to add specifically lots of deep pressure-based movement into your child's daily routine. So my golden rule, or really OT's golden rule, is that deep pressure is calming. And especially for hyper kids, deep pressure-based movements And it's interesting because even at a young age, you'll see kids do this naturally and that their body kind of seeks out that deep pressure naturally and their nervous system seeks out that deep pressure naturally, whether that is jumping and crashing into a pile of pillows or jumping off something and crashing kind of or hanging upside down. I'll see a lot of kids just kind of like putting their bodies upside down. And whenever you get a free moment, so if you're driving, don't do this now, but just try doing wall push-ups or just like regular push-ups or maybe just like reaching for your feet and hanging hanging upside down for a few moments and just get a feeling for what that deep pressure in our body feels like. When you do the wall, um, like the wall push-ups or push-ups, you will feel all that deep pressure in your body, kind of like a massage, how you'll feel that deep pressure. And so just remember that deep pressure is just very calming to our nervous system, kind of how like a hug is calming for some of us or massage or even when babies are in the womb and they are surrounded by that deep pressure constantly. Um, Or even better, if you start feeling anxious or just a little overwhelmed, try to activate your own mind-body connection and use that deep pressure to your benefit to help you um, regulate by maybe doing some quick stretches or using one that I like to do is using one of those back massages that you can find at Walmart for like $30. And if you actually go on my Instagram, DM me deep pressure library, and I will send you a deep pressure library with lots of different deep pressure activities. So, which brings us to tip number three, which is more so a lot of small tips in one. So my Tip number three is to set up sensory seekers or hyper kids for success. For example, I usually try, um, and this is where a lot of different examples are going to come in, but one thing that I like to do is I try not to tell kids to sit still um, just because I feel for them that just leads to them feeling more anxiety, which then just leads to more fidgeting because to them in their bodies, it feels very difficult and very hard um, to sit still. And so when they hear that, they're automatically like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. And this like leads to the anxiety. And so instead, I try to give them very clear boundaries. So whether that be just an example of in the classroom, I love when teachers use tape to create a border around their desk. And so it just gives them kind of like their own, it feels like their own personal kind of like little bedroom in their class. And so there's that protection factor, which then brings their nervous system peace. And it's also easier in their mind, 
also, for example, setting them up for them for success because it's easier in their mind and they feel more achievable to be able to like, okay, well, I can keep my body in this space compared to having to sit still in a chair, which seems very hard and overwhelming. But staying in the smaller space, that feels easier and more achievable. And then they're able to believe in themselves more, which just then leads to um, them trying harder and just all the positive benefits that come from that. And so some other ways of setting kids up for success is seating. So a lot of hyper kids or sensory seekers are actually a lot of times very frequently sensory sensitive at the same time. And a lot of parents and people don't always pinpoint this or see this because, um, or see that they are actually sensitive to noises or sensitive to touch or different feelings or textures, because a lot of times um, it's not so obvious because they will seek out those things, even though it makes them dysregulated. They're not like, um, you know, more sensory avoiding kids who like run away and like actively avoid um, whatever makes them dysregulated. So seating is one of those sneaky things that kids and adults usually don't even think about or realize can actually make a big difference. So for example, school seats are hard and uncomfortable. And which for kids who are having a hard time sitting still already, that is just going to make it even more difficult and not set them up for success by having them sit in this uncomfortable seating when they have this, you know, unconscious um, touch sensitivity and they're not even realizing how uncomfortable it is to their body and their nervous system. And so what we can do is we can instead set them up for success by adding in a cushion, um, a cushion, you know, uh, underneath their underneath for support. So letting them sit on a cushion or even providing a little pillow behind their back. Um, one thing that I like to say is we want to make the our kids' nervous system feel cozy. So those feelings of us feeling cozy and secure that makes our nervous system happy. So or how they do work too is um, maybe let them lay down on the ground on their belly while they have like a worksheet in front of them and having that deep pressure from the floor while they're laying on their belly. And then also if you think about just um, how while they work without having those other um, distractions around them, like if you compare sitting up straight and you have all those visual distractions around you and then compared to when you're laying close to the ground and you're looking towards the ground and your head is facing the floor and so you don't have all those distractions in your visual field. Um, so just little accommodations like this and by doing little accommodations to set them up for success can make a huge difference in kids, just um, their daily regulation, their daily lives. And like I mentioned in day three, which if you haven't listened to last episode, please don't miss that one. It is right now my favorite and most important podcast um, episode that I would recommend for you to listen to. And I talked about how sensory therapy and being a sensory therapist is for everyone, not only OTs. And how I talked about how I believe this personally, it should be for everyone. And let me be careful about my wording really quick. But if you have listened to all my episodes and follow me on Instagram or watch my stories, you already know a lot and more than even some OTs too, because not every OT is sensory trained. So feel confident in your ability to your sensory therapeutic abilities or sensory therapist ability skills. And you'll realize you're going to start seeing your kids doing something and then thinking, 
hmm, let me try to change something or make a little accommodation. I wonder if that may help his auditory sensitivity or his visual sensitivity. Let me try moving his seat somewhere less distracting. Those little changes go a long way when you put on your sensory therapist goggles and look through those lens. And actually, I have a bonus tip for you. So tip number four, and that is to sign up for Sensory Life Academy, my three-month program that provides parents an online sanctuary, an online course experience to learn sensory therapy and gain a deep understanding of our nervous system and how to support you and your child's nervous system. And I could not be more excited for this round. We are going deeper than ever before. And it is truly going to be such a life-changing and transformative experience. And doors close tomorrow, Friday, April 1st. And there are really no words to explain just how excited I am for this round. And if you aren't familiar with Sensory Life Academy... It is my three-month program where I guide and support parents through creating a sensory lifestyle for their kids, where we do very intensive but very easy and practical um, therapy for three months for deep sensory and nervous system healing for your child to help regulate their nervous system and help with their sensory challenges, their hyperactivity, attention, impulsivity, anxiety, self-esteem, and so much more. And that's only half the program because the other half is supporting you parents through emotional support throughout this process alongside your child's sensory healing and also your own nervous system healing. Because so, so, so often parents, you selflessly neglect your own needs, which is why this such as a special part of the program because you deserve to be supported simultaneously um, while also walking your child through that sensory healing too. And so we will be covering all the things inside the course and we'll also have some surprise guest experts like Britain Autism Dietitian, Molly Autism Consultant, Tequila with Sensory Superpowers, and more that will be joining us inside Sensory Life Academy. And so to sign up, you can visit the link in the show notes um, to join us for this round. And well, just thank you so much for joining me today on Let's Get Sensory podcast and for also joining the Sensory Challenge. And be sure to come back for tomorrow, the last day of the Sensory Challenge, day five. So love you guys so much. And I will see you tomorrow for day five.